your Bibles, Ephesians 3, 20, 21, back in it. We um, actually preached this a while ago, so y'all get to hear some of it again, um, but um, this is where we fall, and so we're going to dive into it, amen? We're on the last part of chapter 3, and by God's grace, we will be in chapter 4 next time we dive into Ephesians. Verse 20, say amen, if you got it. You got it? Say amen. Amen. There we go. That was my bad. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations Forever and ever, Amen, Amen, Amen. I wanna, I wanna, t I want us to talk a little bit today um, about identified by a massive prayer life. Identified by a massive prayer life. Um, as we've gone through chapter one, two, and three, we we've seen um God really just say a whole bunch of great stuff. And kind of uh, Paul is crescendoing or climaxing, if you will, in the chapter with a doxology. Say doxology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do doxology uh, is an interesting word. Doxa means glory. Say glory. And logia uh, uh, is interesting. It means worship. So, 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 so. Glorious worship is what we're about to enter into in this text. And, 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 this, and, this, and this doxology is usually in a, 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 a song or a hymn or, or a writing or even a message. And Paul ends, we, we, it's really the second part of the prayer that we're talking through today. This is, this is really Paul's second prayer. We saw his first prayer in chapter 1, verses 14 to the end of the chapter. Now we, have, we dove last week into his prayer in uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. And so, and so now we, we get into the latter part of this because this is not, you know, I almost tagged this in on the last part of last week's message. And, and you know, because y'all had already kind of, and I was like, nah, this may need its own little space to, to, for God to get his honor and his glory through. So we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to talk about identified by a massive prayer life. I, I, I think that we could stand for our prayer lives to be expanded a little bit. How many of you would agree with that? Um, 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 I remember one time I was at a 130-year-old church, and an a, 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 a old head came up to me. He said, real? He said, it seemed like during the gathering, there's no prayer. We don't, we, we don't pray. And, I, you know, I was a young preacher. You know, I didn't want you to tell me nothing was wrong with me or nothing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like fresh out of seminary, so I know everything, you know. You know, I studied every corpus of the mind of God for four years of a master's degree. So, I, so how dare you, even though you've been walking with God for like 80 years, right? Um, <laughs> but, but because I've been thinking about God for four years and you've been walking with God for 80 years, I felt like I knew more than him. But, but, but as I looked around that church, they didn't know as much theology as I knew. They didn't. So I thought. 
But you could see the battle scars in their prayer life of walking with God for years. I, my, my, one of my first assignments my pastor gave me was uh, one of the, uh, the assistant pastor has drowned, so I become the, 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 the default assistant pastor at the time. My wife's shaking her head because she's getting flashbacks. And, um, and man, I, I, it, was a, it was a building that was about 200 years old that I was teaching there. And I taught a Bible study in the living room of a building that was owned by the ministry. And it was, it was a woman in there that was a 98 years old, 97 years old, and she had been saved for 80 years. Um, some people have been saved for 60, 65 years. So I'm fresh out of school, and I'm coming in there, and I'm going to walk them through everything God has told me. And, man, as I spent time with, with, with eating biscuits and uh, fried chicken and gumbo, oh, Lord, you know, it was Louisiana folks. So I, was, I had did a Bible study for a bunch of old silver head and white hair, uh, 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 arthritis, sugar diabetes, heart having. I mean, and they was sending me on my way with all that food, you know. But, um, but, but it was great for me to be around them. Because I, I learned more, a, a whole lot about walking with God. And when I would listen to them pray, I, I remember, I can't remember the older man with his wife. Ah, I'm trying to get his name. But man, he, he and his wife, just the way they held hands told a story. You, you know, I mean, just the way, I mean, the way they held hands told. And, and, and when, they, when he prayed, I felt like I was literally taken before the throne of God and I didn't even critique the prayer. I just enjoyed being where he was with God. See, that's the type of prayer life that we want to have. We want to have a prayer life that, that, that's, that's, that's more than about asking God for a whole bunch of stuff, even though we're going to talk about that. But, but, but it, it's something about when, when somebody that's been with God begins opening their mouth and praying. You can tell that they've been practicing. You can tell that this wasn't just something that these are some words they created to impress people. And so as Paul dives into this passage, he begins stressing and praying for Christians, the church, to have a more massive prayer life. And so he goes and he says, now unto him. Stop right there. Now unto him. Now, we understand that he's been the, the, the subject <coughs> so far in this context has been the gospel and the church. But the, 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 the specific subject uh, overarching this entire, these two sub-subjects is the Father. God the Father is the one in whom he's saying to him. Now, in order to be able to appreciate the to himness of this prayer, you got to understand who, uh, understand who him is, okay? Who him is will help you understand how you come before him who is, right? And so what's, what's glorious about this is he start off with God as the center pictorial of the beginning of his prayer. And, 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 it, and the last referent of the hymn didn't just call him God, but gave him an endearing title, his father. Say father. Oh, yeah, that's a good old-fashioned title, father. I, I, I liked when the old deacons would start off the prayer, father. I like that. Someone would say, Abba, they'd yell it too. And they had gulliness in the back of their voice because they really believed that God was their father. And to him being the father here, Paul, Paul begins the prayer talking to the one who's preeminent in the Godhead. 
When Christ died on the cross, he gave us access to the entire Godhead, but specifically to God the Father. uh, uh, Somebody asked me, people always ask me, who do I pray to, the Holy Spirit, the Son, or the Father? I said, yes. (laughs) Right? I say, yes. However, however, the specific one that that, that, that is referenced usually in prayer in the epistles is God the Father. And so God, because God the Father is preeminent, that means he's first, in, first among equals upon uh, the, 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 uh, the triune bishop tree of heaven. He, he's, he, he's, he's in the triune eldership of the universe called God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. They confer with each other, but God the Father is the lead pastor of the bunch. And so he casts the vision, and, and the Holy Spirit is the executor, and the Son's the strategist. And so what we see here is he prays to the visionary God of all creation, talking about to him. And so generally, Jesus was the one who changed our understanding and idea of the fatherhood of God. The, it, it, it was so, um, it was so um, mind-boggling um, to, to, to those who heard him pray. It's funny when he said, teach us how to pray. And the first thing out of his mouth is, our father. I like that. Then one dude said, he he talks about God as if he is his own father. One guy said, and and I would say to that, that, that dude, amen, that's right. The fatherhood of God was seen in Tanakh or what we would call Old Testament or law prophets and writings. Um, But the fatherhood of God was more clearly expressed through the eternal sonship of Jesus Christ, coming to explain what God is like so that we would he would call us into a relationship with God. So 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 Jesus uh, 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 wanted to emphasize for us this idea of the fatherhood of God. And then throughout the letters of Paul, you see the fatherhood of God talked about 40 plus times. 40 plus times it's mentioned at, um, at minimum as the specific word or him as a reference. So for, 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 this, for Paul, though, and this is interesting, this fatherhood is based not so much <coughs> on the father's role in creation. Not, not in original creation, it, it doesn't usually point to that, it, but rather his redemption and reconciliation of us to himself. So when you go back to when father, the father was first mentioned in this book, in chapter uh, 1, verse 3, it, call, it tells us that the Father chose us for salvation. But then it says, secondly, that in verse 5, that he adopted us. Now, God's adoption is better than the way we do adoption. You know, as great as we, uh, adoption is and, and we should adopt and, and that type of thing, but God's adoption is better because he makes sure that you immediately feel like you're part of the family. In other words, it's not just your name is written in heaven as adoption paperwork. All of our adoption paperwork is in heaven. However, God not only brings you into his family, but he makes you by DNA a part of his family. And that DNA is through the death of Christ and his spilled blood. When when you trust in Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, then your bloodline is rewritten. That, that That means all of the potential evils of our first daddy, Adam is now overwritten by our big brother in the faith, the second Adam. And so now, based on the bloodline of the new Adam, we're now collect, connected to the divine bloodline of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the ruler over everything, the preeminent one in the kingdom called in him or a.k.a. God the Father or the Lord of hosts. 
He goes by many, many aliases, but he's not running from nobody like everybody else who has aliases. But these aliases are to show us the multifaceted nature of the height, the depth, the breadth, and the width of who he is, yet it still doesn't do it justice. <laughs> How great God the Father is. Then he goes into this section. And, you know, every time I get in this text, I, I, you know, I just, it blows my mind because I don't think anybody touched this passage better than E.K. Bailey when he preached a sermon called A Doxology of Praise. I could have thrown nine pulpits at that dude. But when he got to this point, when he got to this point, and, and, and I just remember it, you know, just, just him spending time on this word able, say able. Now, 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 now this is interesting about the word able. It, it's, 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 it's interesting because the word here is the word power. The word dunamis. Now, now unto him who is not just able, but power. Now, now notice the difference here. Right now, you gotta understand the difference here. It's it's not saying that he has power. See, it's one thing to have it. You know, a lot of folk have power. They have to manipulate something outside of themselves to express something that they are not inherently. But but see, but see, God the Father is so beastly that not only does he have power, but he is power. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I mean, think about that for a moment. Now unto him who is power. That's, that's what he's saying. Uh, in other words, what I'm directing right now is I'm, I'm directing this prayer not to... See, you can entreat somebody at your job for a raise, but they still got to put in paperwork to get it done. You, you know, you can, you can ask somebody, can you, do, can you talk to so-and-so for me so they can get me a ticket so I can get into the game and all that stuff. So they got, they got by way power. But see, God has, not only has power, but he is power. So when you go to him through Jesus Christ, he bap, you bypass all of, the, all of the physical systems and you go to the invisible system that's able to actually make what man can't happen, God can make happen. Somebody ought to hear me right now. So see, in your prayer life, in your prayer life, you must understand that God is power. That changes how you approach him. It, it should, it should, it should. And, and, it should change how you approach him in two ways. It should change when you approach him, you understand that what I'm asking may not happen because he's powerful enough to stop what I want to happen and not make it happen. Therefore, I can't twist his arm. I must submit to his arm. So, so, so the one who, who, who is power, now, that, now you got to understand, when we, we, this is going to get massive, more massive, more massive, right? See, he said, Abel, we fleshed out the fact that dunamis is the word being used there, points to power. Now, the fact that it points to power and God being power, we're not just talking about an aspect of what he does, but we're talking about who he is. Therefore, if you're going to talk about who he is, you got to point to the attribute that houses this idea of God being powerful and being power. And that's omnipotence. Say omnipotence. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this word omnipotence, I like define, like capsulizing in, in the best way we can God, now no definition of any attribute of God is ever done justice by any lexicon, no systematic theology, um, but, but, but we're just trying to make sense of, in a way, that's knowable, yet still unforeseeable fully. So when I give you this definition, this is not the extent of that, because I believe all of our definitions are going to be expanded when we're in his presence forever. But if I were to word it, this is how we would word it. 
God's unlimited authority to bring into existence or cause to happen whatsoever he wills. All right, Doc. That's what the deacons on the front row used to do to me. Say that again, Doc. Say that again, Doc. Then them big words, Doc. You got to say that again for us. I used to love them deacons, man. Anyway, God's unlimited. That's why I talk about them a lot. This is great guys. God's unlimited authority to bring into existence or cause to happen whatsoever he wills. So, so there is nothing that happens that doesn't happen without the one who makes stuff happen allowing it to happen. That's a, see, uh, now some of y'all, when y'all get mad because something happened, you got to understand that you're not mad at what happened. You're really mad at the one who allows and makes stuff happen. So, so, so to him who was able, because he could have stopped it, but he didn't. He could have let something, he could have intervened, but he didn't. And it's not because you didn't pray the right prayer. Oh. It, it, it's, it's not be, it, it's because, it's because everything under his authority is used powerfully by his power to show him off. So that, so that means you gotta, you gotta begin to adjust how you relate to everything that God powerfully does in your life. Wow. We, he, he doesn't adjust his power. He wants us to respond to his power. It is by removing all limitations of power as it exists in us that we rise to the idea of the omnipotence of God. Because God can do whatever he wills. Mama used to say he can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants to do it. <clears throat> and it all flows from him being power. He, he's, he's not in merely an energy source. Because, he, because an energy source is something that has to be regenerated by something in order for it to keep being able to distribute power. But God is an unlimited battery and resource of power. That means God doesn't run out of energy. He doesn't run out of juice. So just because he didn't move when you wanted him to doesn't mean his battery ran out and he had to plug back into some source. It means that he chose not to distribute his power to what you asked him to. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I just, one of the things, I, I got a group of things that I want to see in eternal high definition when I get to heaven. I, you know, I got a lot of stuff. I want to see Jesus raise Lazarus. I want to see that. I, 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 want, I got to see that, all right? I, I want to see when Jesus made that dude's ear regrow when Peter cut it off. I think that's amazing. I want to see the guy with the withered hand, his hand just become, just go like that, I mean, like, no magic trick type stuff, right? I want to see that. I want to, uh, you know, the children of Israel coming out, what whoop they do right? So, that's great. But I want to see some stuff. Like, I'm not mad at it, and it points to Jesus, but I'm like, uh, I ain't, like, that ain't at the top of my list. You know what I'm saying? I want to see some stuff. But, but you know what I really, 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 really want to see? I want to see Genesis chapter 1. He got to show me the video of that. To, I mean, I mean, y'all, I mean, light come into existence. He's, ah, uh, here I come. I mean, I mean, nothing, something that didn't exist had to obey him because he said, come here. Do you think about that? 
I just want to see light for the first time, even though he dwells in unapproachable light, but he called physical light into existence because he's spiritual light, but he said light, come in, and light had to obey even though it didn't know it had to obey because it came into existence, and it, oh, my God. Then, uh, then, then when he says water, water just, whoosh, then it's just, it's just doing like this. Now, you, you got to think about this. This is how powerful God is. Now, the water's just no gravity, nothing. Then he said, land, land just, then he separates it out. Then this ocean's created, seas and lakes, waterfalls. I mean, God is power. He's power. And I want, I, I, and I hope we can grasp the fact that he is power. And, but, but, but what was interesting about this passage when we talk about him being power, when we talk about him being omnipotent or able, uh, um, um, Paul goes forward and he says, now unto him who is able, then he says, to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. I like that. <clears throat> now, this, this is great. Now, this, this, I want y'all to get this. Come on, let's get this. Right? <clears throat> he doesn't say what we usually quote this as. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that you can ask, can ask, or should ask, or would ask, or may ask, isn't in the text. It's it's his talking about what you actually ask, not what you possibly ask. So in order for the one who is powerful to do powerful things that, 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 that he's calling us to do based on Paul's call for our prayer life to be expanded, God only shows himself powerfully in those things that we actually pray for him to do. So if you're not praying, God ain't going to be active in your life as he could be. So he says, now unto him was able to do exceedingly abundantly. That means, listen, 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 listen. This, this, this understanding of abundant means super abundant. In our earthly language, it would be an upgrade. It'd be like an upgrade, you know what I'm saying? When you get something upgraded, like I'm mad because I don't have an iPhone no more. Y'all got to pray for me. Um, but when the Verizon get it, it's just going to be crazy because they're going to have the new iPhone and it's going to be on the Verizon network. So you can be 10 near the Earth's core and get, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't like Verizon people. I just don't like y'all because y'all can get a signal. Y'all can get a, y'all can get a signal inside of a mountain with lava beside you. <laughs> That's called an upgrade. You know what I'm saying? When you get the technology plus the signal. You know what I'm saying? I, that's just, like, y'all had bad phones before, but now y'all got good phone and connectivity. And then, and then every time I go on my iTunes, it'll say, do you want the new iTunes to upgrade? See, see, see. See, what God does in our prayers is when you ask something. Now, while you're asking it, you're thinking it and asking it. So you're actually asking and you're thinking it. And what God does is God says, I want to top. Because what you, this is in my will what you asked. I want to top what you asked. I want to top it to show myself off. Now, he likes that type of stuff. He gets giddy of, <laughs> look how blown away to y'all by how blown. Woo! <laughs> he just giggled. Listen, when I wrote down some stuff in this red spiral notebook in 1992, what I wanted in a wife. And I wrote all these things down. 
I, I mean, I, I'm going to tell y'all how, how I went with mine. You know, I, you know, I did the spiritual characteristics first. You know, I just went there, said, yeah, she got to be, you know, we don't know what we're talking about when we say Proverbs 31. We just be throwing that out there, right? But we say it because we're supposed to say it. So <clears throat> I wrote down all of these characteristics, and then I said, God, now. Now, now God, you know, I know you powerful, you know what I'm saying? And um, you can do whatever you want, when you want, why you want, because you're dunamis and you're able and you're omnipotent. I didn't say that back then, but that's what I'm saying now. Preachers embellish. And so, <laughs> it's called lying. Um, <laughs> I repent, God, I repent. And when I got the order in, see, I put an order in, like, I put a or I, I said, God, I this I'm looking in the men. This the menu. This the menu. Now I want to order some things on the menu, but I want some things that's off the menu. And I said, God, can she be fine? I said, God, can she have beautiful teeth? Caramel complexion. I'm not going. I'm not. I'm just so talk about the. I can't say this stuff for me. But you. But but you get the idea. And I believe he did exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask or think. If I had a praying church in here, they'd be with me right now. And if the organ was working, the minister music would be at work right now. But beyond all you can ask or think. Yeah. And as the longer I'm staying married, God has given me hidden things in my wife that I didn't pray for. See, see, let, let me tell you something. When God give you something, he give you something. Listen, listen, listen. I remember when we was, well, I was looking for a building for Epiphany Fellowship. We <coughs> went on uh, uh, Broad and Susquehanna, and the dude uh, was trying to make us get the building for $3,500 a month, $3,500 a month. We had to build an elevator, get cold, and then we had to redo everything in there. And, and I was like, oh, Lord, we're not going to have no mean place. Then I, then I went on 17th century hand. I called the city, asked the city. I said, God, can we have, you know, can we have this building? And then the guy said, it's structural damage there. I was like, dang. So I went from here. I went to there. I went to the Y. I went to uh, Hank Gathers. I, I, I went everywhere that we could. And then God provided this building. Now, I just said, well, we got a meeting space. So all I was praying for was a meeting space and space within the space to use just for gatherings. But little did I know that God wanted to upgrade it above that. He said, you know what? Don't, I'm not just going to let y'all meet in it. I'm going to let y'all have it. And then I'm going to give you some lots to go with it. And I'm going to put a playground on top of it. And I'm, then, I'm just, God, listen. And I didn't know a gym was upstairs. And convent, Listen, God always does above. When it's in his will, he does it big. See, this is good prosperity theology. See, there's bad prosperity theology because prosperity theology is centered on the recipient. Good prosperity theology is centered on the giver. 
And see, when the giver gets glory and the recipient doesn't forget about the giver, that's when the process, but, and it's not, and, and the receiver views prosperity more than the resource. So now unto him who is able to, to, to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think, not can ask a thing. So, so, so this thing has, so where's your prayer life at? What are you praying for? What, are, are your prayers centered on you or the massiveness of who God is? That's why I'm hoping even in when we do prayer time in our life groups, that our prayers wouldn't only be like, what's going, what's going on in your life? Well, I'm just, you know, I mean, man, I, and I know we got to do that. But, you know, it gets to a point where our prayers got to get bigger than our needs. The world, we need to be praying for Egypt. How about that? How about, how about Egypt? How about, I mean, let's pray for, 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 for the 1040 window. Let's pray for, see, our prayer is too little because our prayers are man-centered. And when your prayers aren't God, see, the more you look into the massiveness of who God is, it changes how you pray and what you pray. But then he not only says what you ask or think. I'm not giving you all the points. I forgot. Sorry. See, being able to pray in this way points to gospel vision. Say gospel vision. <laughs> this is very, very important. Because this is how the, the Bible says, Jesus says, if, 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 my, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you will ask whatever you want to ask, and what you ask shall be given to you. Um, 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 uh, Paul, Peter, uh, 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 John says in 1 John chapter, I believe it is 5, like around the 15th or 17th verse somewhere up in there, that God will answer our prayers according to his will. Now, this is the way if you, what you ask or think can get closer to God's will in your prayers. Y'all ready? The Bible says that people without vision are unrestrained. In other words, when people don't have clear direction and a vision of what God says, it's no telling what they'll do. Okay? But, but, but when you have a clear vision of what God wants you to do, Proverbs 29, 18 Proverbs uh, 16, verses 1 through 3, and verse 9 and 17, what will happen right now, right, is you will begin to have a transformed prayer life. Now, this is what transforms your prayer. You say, what is things in the world and life like? What do they look like? Then what you do is you get in the word and say, what is God's vision for what he wants things like? Then you just pray that for that. And you get an answered prayer. That's how your prayers get answered. Now, God can only answer prayers that glorify him. Now, let me give you an example. Moses. God said, I'm sick of the children of Israel. And I'm going to kill every last one of them. <laughs> Quickly. I'm, sending, I'm just going to kill them. And um, I'm sick of them. They get on my nerves. They stick stiff neck. They, they don't believe. I, I provide something. They, they, they don't like what I give them. And they ask for it. And I'm sick of them. Moses goes before God and he says, <coughs> God, you have the right to do what you want. He says, but God, um, what will the nation say about you? About you. Not, I mean, forget about us. 
what will the nations say about you that you brought us out of Egypt in all of that glory and then brought us out here to kill us? And guess what God does is he answers Moses' prayer, but he said, I am going to kill a few of them, though. I still got to get them. <laughs> God still get them because I want them to remember that they be wilding. So I'm going to kill some of them, but I'm not going to utterly destroy them. And what did he respond to in prayer? His glory. Are your prayers marked by the glory of God? Are your prayers marked by the glory of God or the glory of man? Then he goes forth and he says, according to the power that is at work within us. That's great. Now, the power in this passage, of, of, of course, points back um, to verse 7. It says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. What's the working of his power there? The gospel. You remember the, in Romans 1, 16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Okay, so, 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 so this power that is at work within us. Now, now, this is very, very interesting, and this is very important. It says according to the power that's at work within us. Let me explain this. Now, when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you got everything you need. God downloads everything into you. Everything, everything you need for life and godliness. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. You, you don't need nothing else. Ain't no anointing coming and falling, smoking. None of that's going to help you. You got everything you need for life and godliness when you trust God by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. However, and we're given positional look-alikeness like Jesus immediately. We're already like Jesus. So we're not trying to do anything. It's already everything's been done for us. However, it's inhibited by a lack of spiritual maturity. So guess what God does? Is God takes us through stuff and sanctifies us to grow us from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Now, if we say, here is ground zero at the bottom of this joint, and let's just say to be fully like Christ is up here. Fully like Christ up here. Now, as the gospel we know doesn't just start us in our faith, it grows us in our faith also because we're sanctified by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. So what, what, So, so just say, let me get near the cross. Okay, that'll be better. So say at the top of the cross is, is what it means to look fully like Jesus Christ, right? And then we've made it here. Now, that's the amount of power that is actually at work within us in relation to the fullness of Christ's image. So the only amount of working of this, according to what he asked or thinks, can only be based on the amount of gospel power that's actively at work within us in our sanctification. So that means your, your listen, listen, your prayers are only as strong as your growth. That means God will upgrade it and he may do up here, but you're still right here. But the closer we get in our growth, the more, the larger the upgrade can be. I, I, you know, uh, um, it, it's interesting. I got this program I love called uh, Lagos. I love it. I, I really, really love it. I got 5,000 books on my computer. I can work, when I get on a plane, I can work on, I can, I, oh my God, I can work on the sermon on the plane pull out commentaries, lexicons, all of that, right? When you, but according to the level that you have, according to the level that you have, 
You have like they got Bible study, they got leadership, they got they got they got all the way up to what I have called the platinum one. I think God is in all that, right? But say you don't have the platinum one, so you ain't got the platinum one. So if you only have a lower level one, the upgrade costs more. And the more the upgrade costs, the more you're going to have to pay. But the closer you are at the top, the less of the upgrade you need. God in his work in us, as he's working on us and transforming us by the gospel, the more we grow in him, the, 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 the greater the upgrade in us will be as we pray. But it comes through actually praying. It comes from actually asking. Now, I want you to go to the extent of your ability to think. Just think. Just think. And, we, you know, most of us ain't got much of a brain. Any, none of us do. But let's go to the extent of what we can think. Go to the end of it. And whatever the biggest biblical dream, biblical dream we got, God still will go above that. But we got to actually pray. And it has to be according to the power that's at work in you. God, won't, God only upgrades in the measure of the submission to gospel transformation that has actually happened in our life. That's why growth is important, and that's why prayer is important. That's interesting, right? But listen to what he says after that. He says, to him be glory in the church. I like that. Because, because the church is God's agent to transform the world. The church is God's agent. The church is God's means to transform the world. And so here he says, to him be doxa in the church. In other words, God wants to show off his glory among the, not the building, but the people more than he does anything else in the world. And so remember we talked about what a church is. We had love, uh, functions of the church. We had love, we had worship, we had community, we had service, we had preaching, we had discipleship, teaching, equipping, conformity to the image of Christ, missions and evangelism. Can you imagine if God in all of those functions maximized his glory in the church in the way we loved one another? in the way we worshiped, in the way we did life together in community, in the way we served one another, in the way we preached, in the way we taught, in the way we equipped, in the way we made disciples, in the way we conformed to the image of Christ, in the way we missionally engaged lost people, God getting maximum glory. Now let's just say that all the Christians everywhere are simultaneously growing spiritually and are praying and, and they're asking according to the power that is at work with them at the same time and there was unity in it. Do you know what type of work could happen? Do you know what type of work could happen? Somebody say, well, I don't have time to pray. Wow. No, you, you don't have time to breathe either. You got to breathe to live. You got to pray to, too. So that so that so that means that means it's time for us to amp up our prayer life. And remember, I told you last week that prayer isn't the dictation of your will to God; it's alignment with it. So as you pray, you will make mistakes in prayer, and you all of us do. We selfish in heart, and because sometimes I'm praying for stuff that I don't want God to do, but I know He wants me to do it, so I pray it anyway. And so in the midst of that, he's transforming my heart to want what I'm actually praying for, even though my heart doesn't want it, but I know he's going to give that to me, and I don't like it. So I say, Lord, prepare me for the next trial. Like, other day, I said, things are just nice right now. 
I said, man, but you know how that goes. You in, coming out, or going into one? And so I said, God, I know this, this is going, you're going to answer this because you always do. Let it happen. I said, God, help me to be prepared to walk through the next season of suffering you have for me. And help me to honor and glorify you. Somebody said, why you want, you crazy, man. Why don't you pray something like, well, why not? You're going to have to end up getting in it, asking him to do the same thing after he beat you down enough for you to actually pray it. So why don't you just pray it in the first place? <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and then pray, God, get maximum. See, when I pray for people when they're sick, go to the hospital, I do pray for the healing. but Because I, I believe that God still heals. However, my greatest prayer for them is, God, will you maximize the way you want to glorify yourself through what they're going through? Because sometimes Paul didn't pray for God to take stuff away from people. He prayed for God to do a work in them while they were in it. And pretty much that's what he's always going to do. So the more your prayer life, your prayer life is going to get weirder and weirder and weirder because it's going to be less you-centered. And that means your prayers are getting more massive. What the, and, and, and know why your prayers will be getting more massive? is because God, in your view, will be more massive. And, and the more massive God gets in that. That's why he says, that's why he says in verse, in verse 18, he says, um, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That's why he says that. Because he wants that to impact how massive our prayers are. And so, and so my, our prayer today is that Christ will continue to impress us. <laughs> that, that, that Jesus will be enough. When he's enough, it, it, you, you, you die even when you pray. And what's beautiful about that is the cross continues to be the center of it. But the cross plus the resurrection equals upgrade. Everything God does, he likes to do to show himself off. And so I pray that God would give us clarity, great clarity in our prayer life. And he says, glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. It's in connection always to Christ Jesus. Glory to God always means connection to the glory of Christ. And the Christ is the place of God's glory, and the church is the means by which the glory of Christ, via the glory of God, is shown off to the world. But it's not our glory that they see. It's the glory of the living God. And then it says, through all generations. That means that one day there will be no more generations. One day he's going to return, and generations will end there will be generations of people that don't spend eternity with him. There will be generations of people who get to spend eternity with him forever. And the way we, the, those people that got to spend eternity with him forever, they trusted in Jesus Christ alone and believed that his resurrection was the, was the, was the road to new life. And so they repented of their sin and turned to belief and God through Christ. And, and that has ever, if you're in him, you are ever changed forever. And so if you're here today, you're here today, your prayers are heard but not answered. God hears and sees everything. 
but he doesn't hear and he doesn't answer everything. And so the, the, the way to get into God, not to not merely get your prayers answered, but it's about relationship with him. Huh. That's, that's what salvation is about. Salvation, the maximum promise of salvation is relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's why he said this is eternal life, that you know God and his only son in whom he sent. And there is no bypassing Jesus to get to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father unless he comes by me. John 10 says, if you try to come any other way, you're a thief and a robber. And so Jesus is the conduit and the means to be in the presence of God. And, 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 and for, the, for, for the gospel for those who don't know Christ is a call to be in a relationship with God through Christ. But for those uh, who are in Christ, it, it, it calls us to maximize the relationship that we do have with God through Christ. And so I pray for the Christian today, if you know Christ, that your prayers will become more massive. That for those of you who don't know him, I pray that God will bring you into a relationship with him by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. Father, we honor you and we praise you for the opportunity to be a people of prayer. Thank you that you want us, all of us, because you say with the saints, um, that we would Lord God, be identified by a massive prayer life. God, in the name of Jesus Christ, will you honor your name, glorify yourself, and help us to have an expansive prayer life that prays for, for ourselves and prays for our family and immediate people in our lives, but the world. And most of all, praying your will. Lord God, that we will be more and more acquainted with knowing you. <laughs> that as we delight ourselves in you, you change us and you give us the desires of our heart, which are actually your desires being prayed to you. And it's your means by expressing your sovereignty, by utilizing prayer as a way for your will to be done. What a crazy idea, Lord God, but what a biblical one. In Jesus' name, amen.